0: Second Thessalonians chapter 1 <clears throat> Paul Sylvanus and Timothy to the Church of the Thessalonians in God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting. Because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God, for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is a manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And Father, we thank you for your word this morning. It has life in it, Lord. It has power. It's able to pierce our hearts and divide between the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, God. That we would hear your voice this morning. It discerns the thoughts and intents of our very hearts, God. And many of us are hurting, Lord. Living in these days that are wicked and filled, filled with evil, Lord. And hatred and anger, God. I pray that we would remain a light for you, Lord. That we would love others still in the midst of this, Lord. We would understand the calling and the charge that you gave. Love one another as I has loved you. This is how all men will know that you belong to me. By the love that you have. One for another. Help us to hear your voice, Lord. Help us to respond rightly to you with good and honest hearts. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. In these days that we're living in. Days that I've never seen before in my lifetime, and I'm getting up there in age now. (laughs) But uh, this anger and hatred that is uh, moving all through this world, a question to ask would be, are you going through tribulation? Are you going through trouble? And how are you dealing with it? Are you trusting God, or are you still able to love others? We are living in some evil days, and again, anger and hatred is abounding. And in the midst of this church of Thessalonica, we can see that they face some of these very same things. These believers, this church, again in Thessalonica, whom Paul loved greatly. He had spent only three Sabbaths with them, yet a tremendous bond between them. He was unable to be with them physically at this point. He sends Timothy to check on their faith in Christ, to encourage and to help establish them. Paul is unsure of their walk at this point. And he says in 1 Thessalonians 3, For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. And so Timothy returns to Paul with good news of their faith and their love. They were standing fast in the Lord. And he encourages them to walk holy before the Lord and to love the Lord and to love others. That they would abound in this love for God and again for others. They would keep increasing in love he writes in 1st Thessalonians 4 but concerning brotherly love you have no need that i should write to you for you yourselves are taught by god to love one another he tells them of the coming of the lord the saints being caught up into the clouds that they were not appointed to wrath he says comfort one another with these words comfort One another. We have a God of comfort, a God that is a God of compassion. He cares for us. He also says to be awake and be sober and watch for Christ's coming. And it's a great message for all of us to hear now that we would live in light of his coming and that we be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. Good and faithful servants awaiting our Master's return. Even in tribulation, The scripture says that we should rejoice always. And how can we do that? The message from the gospels and the message from this particular scripture this morning. Is to know that God is in control of your life. That you can pray without ceasing as Celine said. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That you can trust God. And you can trust his love for you. And that we can live for Christ. And so Paul writes 2 Thessalonians. It's written about a year after 1 Thessalonians, somewhere around 53 A.D. They're facing trouble. They're facing persecution. Much of what we're seeing now. There were zealous Jews and even hostile Gentiles. They thought that they were in the great day of the Lord. That they had actually missed the rapture, if you can imagine that. Paul will correct their thinking in the midst of the scripture by laying out again what must happen before Christ's return. 2 Thessalonians 2.3, he says, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, the Antichrist. That day has not come as Paul speaks, but it is at the doorstep even now. For us, it is close. And I believe we are seeing the falling away happening now. So Paul writes this letter. He writes from Corinth. It's his second missionary journey. He's answering problems existing in this church. He's correcting and encouraging them in their persecution. So Paul writes, again, this second letter, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy and Silvanus... Silvanus, actually, it's the Latin word that uh, describes the name Silas. So it's Paul and, and Timothy and Silas. They spent time together in jail at Philippi. Uh, they were beaten with many stripes. They were placed in stocks. And But at midnight, they began praying and singing praises to God. And in the midst of that, there was a great earthquake, and the foundations of the prison were shaken, and all the jail doors were opened. And the shackles fell off. And they had a history together. Uh, I can just imagine them saying even now, uh, the, you know, Paul, remember the time that we were in the jail of Philippi and how we began singing and all the shackles just came off and the jail cell doors opened and the jailer himself was ready to kill himself. And so they had a history together. And they were set free by God in the midst of their praise. And Timothy, my own son in the faith, Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1. Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Timothy, our brother. The description of the relationship that Paul had with Timothy. He was a trusted fellow laborer for Christ. So Timothy and Silas, they were part of the planting of this church. And I want to just read that out of Acts chapter 17. This was the beginning of the church of Thessalonica. If you'd bear with me. Acts 17. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came by Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This this Jesus whom I preached to you is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded... And a great multitude of devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace and gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason had harbored them, and these were all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying, There is another king, Jesus. And they troubled the crowd and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. So when they had taken security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. So three weeks Paul spent with this uh, group of believers in Thessalonica. Uh, They formed a very strong bond. And uh, Timothy and Silas were part of the team that uh, planted this church, to the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is in God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ that they plant this church. They had great intimacy in the Father, in the Lord Jesus Christ. They had a bond. Paul writes in Romans, he says, Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead, indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Jesus, our Lord, in Christ, if you remain in me and I in you, Jesus would speak about that in John 15. He would say, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And so they were in Christ as Jesus Uh, calls us now to abide in him they had that relationship with the lord they were in christ and so second thessalonians 1 verse 2 says grace to you and peace from god our father and the lord jesus christ so god's grace it's his merited favor upon us we don't deserve it his good hand upon us so his peace is not like the world jesus would say that my peace i give to you not like the world gives and so a great blessing, his favor and his peace upon you. In verse 3, it says, we're bound to thank God always for you, brethren. As it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly in the love of every one of you, all abounds towards each other. And so Paul gives thanks to God for them, for the brethren, for those that he fellowshiped with. In this church, their great faith that they were abounding in love for one another. One of the things that the Lord was speaking to me about is in these days that we are facing that we need to continue to still love. And it may be hard. But the Lord is asking that we would continue to love others. In Romans chapter 1, Paul gives thanks again. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. In 1 Corinthians, he says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ. In Philippians, he writes, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. In Philemon, it's written, I thank my God making mention of thee always in my prayers. And so there was a great amount of thankfulness in Paul for those who he fellowshiped with. And we often thank, uh, in the midst of the prayer room, the gathering that we have here, of these believers that are here. Paul was thankful for those believers God placed in front of him. He prayed faithfully for them. Again, in Romans, he says that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. He took great joy in their faithfulness. We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, because it is fitting. The scripture says, Axios, it is worthy to be given thankfulness. And so he was a true shepherd. He was a servant. And so these believers in Thessalonica, their faith was growing exceedingly. Their love toward each other was abounding. And they understood the message from the Lord Jesus. So Paul is telling others, he's like, when I was a younger guy, I have four children, and I used to, when I was a at work, we used to whip out the wallet and show the pictures of my kids and how well they were doing. You know, it's pretty funny sometimes when you you get excited about the kids and you'll just look at them. And, hey, listen, look, look, look! He's playing with someone else. You know, they're getting along and it's just a great thing to see. You know, and you're just so excited about the things that your children are doing. But Paul is seeing these believers like that. He's seeing that they're doing well, that they have great faith, that their love is abounding one for another, and he took, he was a proud father. He boasted of them. And that's what it's going to say in the next verse in 2 Thessalonians 1 4. It says, So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and your faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. They gloried in the work that God had done in them. And only God can do that kind of work. He takes an old heart of stone out and he places in a heart of flesh and he places his spirit within us and he changes us. And so all the glory belongs to God. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. He's quoting from Jeremiah that uh, we should never glory in our own accomplishments. In Jeremiah 9, thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, let not the mighty man glory in his might, nor let the rich man glory in his riches, but let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me. I am the Lord exercising loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says the Lord. And so Paul gloried in the fact that God had done a work And these believers in Thessalonica, through intimacy and the knowledge of him and time alone with him. And that is the only way that we will get to know God, by spending time with him each day. Paul, again, rejoicing with these believers. He's speaking to the other churches by the work of God, like I used to carry my wallet around. Look, you know, he's telling them about what God has done in them. It wasn't his work. It it was their Patience that they were given by God and faith in the midst of it, in the persecution and tribulation. And we are living in some very trying times today. Very trying. And it's worn heavy on many of uh, the Lord's believers and his children. And God is a God of compassion. I want you to know that in the midst of uh, looking at all these things, that the message from the Lord was that he cares greatly for his flock and his children. And he loves you. He loves you deeply. So they endured like the prophets, James writes about as an example, their patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. James writes, indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You've heard of the perseverance of Job and seen an end and intended by the Lord. that The Lord is very compassionate and merciful And so the question for us is, how do you endure in the midst of tribulation? How are you enduring in this world right now? Are you staying close to Jesus? Are you trusting in the Lord? you believe he'll work this thing for your good because you love him and that you're called according to his purposes? Will you let him mold and conform you to Christ's image? Will you trust God? You trust your father, the one who loves you, who gave his life for you. You trust him and give him praise even in the storm. David writes that he offered up sacrifices of shouting. Even like Paul and Silas, they were in the prisons in Philippi, spread out in stocks. Yet they praise God. Is that what we are doing in the midst of this? David writes, though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me, and this will I be confident. These believers had patience. They had faith in all their persecutions and tribulations. David again writes, for in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. This pandemic has caused much pain to people. And the children of God have not been exempt from that. And the difference is that we have a God that we can come to. The God that hears your voice. That cares deeply for you. David wrote, And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in His tabernacle. I will offer up praise to God. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Charles Spurgeon once wrote, but wherever there is a heart enlarged with sorrow or a lip quivering with agony or a deep groan or a penitential sigh, the heart of Jehovah is open. He marks it down in the registry of his memory. He puts our prayers like rose leaves between the pages of his book of remembrance. And when at last the volume is opened, there will be a precious fragrance springing from it. Faith asks no signal from the skies to show that prayers accepted rise. Our priest is in his holy place and answers from the throne of grace. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers wrote, you know, he was a sickly man. He, uh, he, uh, was often, uh, sidelined and, uh, he had, uh, some problems uh, with his mind. He was depressed often, and yet he wrote these tremendous things. And uh, it is a, uh, he had an intimacy with God, and the writings that he he wrote, I'm directed by the Holy Spirit, really speak of his intimacy. He writes, "He has a book. God has a book of remembrance for those who fear the God and who meditate in His name." Malachi. You know, God remembers you when you espoused yourself to him in Jeremiah chapter 2. When you went after him in a wilderness, he keeps your tears in a bottle. In Psalm 56 says that. He says, those who sow in tears shall reap joy, God says. And so in the midst of what we're going through now, you can come to this father that you have. Peter writes, for to you that... For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. And so we can believe that God will handle What we are up against. You can commit yourself to your heavenly father. You can trust him. He's a righteous judge. The writer of Hebrews says nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he's the one to whom we are accountable. And God is for you. Scripture says if he's for you who could be against you. He's sovereign over your life. You're able to trust him. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 4, So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. So Paul writes in Romans that tribulation actually produces something good, right? It produces... Uh, perseverance and perseverance you know brings forth character and character brings forth hope and so God builds something in the midst of tribulation do we like it no we don't like it but God is the great potter he is molding us into something that's better he's building in the midst of tribulation your patience and faith and persecutions and tribulations you endure Paul is writing about this church in Thessalonica so we can commit ourselves to our father We can love him and trust him in the midst of everything that we're facing and that he'll bring us through. Verse 5, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. You know, we sometimes question God in tribulation. Anybody ever do that? Question God why we're going through this thing. You know, if you love me, how can you let me go through this? Right, It isn't right. You think you, that it might be right. You might question God in your uh, heart, and your judgment. I just uh, wanted to read, read a few verses out of Job, how he was a far greater man than I'll ever be. He was a righteous man when uh, faced with the temptations of the devil. But he succumbed at one, some point, and he begins to uh, speak to God. And he says these words in Job 31. He says, Oh, that I had one to hear me, as though God didn't hear him. Here's my mark. Oh, that the Almighty would answer me, that my prosecutor had written the book. (laughs) We have the book right here. Certainly, surely, I would carry it on my shoulder and bind it on me like a crown. I would declare to him the number of my steps, like a prince I would approach him. And so we can begin to question God in the midst of trouble, persecution, in the midst of uh, tribulation, we can start to question God. And Job did that. And God answered in Job chapter 38. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And God goes on for a while to speak to Job. That God is sovereign. In Job chapter 40, the scripture says, Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer And so we can get in that position where we start to question God. And I'm thankful that we have the scripture from Job, a righteous man that questioned God. But God says, hey, I have this. You can trust me. I'm sovereign over all. You know, I'm the Lord of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth. And you can trust me, Job. You can trust me, Kevin. You can trust me, all those seated here this morning. Some of God's best work is done under pressure, believe it or not. Tribulation, even our persecution, he molds and conforms us to the image of Christ. That is the ultimate goal of the Father. He speaks of that in Romans chapter 8, that we would be molded and conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. The church actually thrives under persecution. First Peter, he writes, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. And so the Holy Spirit speaking is saying, your persecution, the Holy Spirit is saying, is evidence of God's righteous judgment. It gives you a better understanding of what Jesus endured. That we would understand the worthiness of the Lord Jesus Christ through suffering. Will you let God build? Sometimes it's going to take fire. He's like a refiner's fire. Like Fuller's soap, the scripture said. The church today in Syria and Iraq and churches in Iran and Africa, and as Selene says in Lebanon, under pressure, under persecution. Are they questioning God for what they're facing? He's like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. He shall sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver and he shall purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old, as in former years. Malachi chapter 3 verse 4. Our God is a consuming fire. He's a holy and righteous God. We sing the song, holy fire, burn away my desire for anything that is not of you and is of me. I want more of you. And of me, empty me, empty me. In verses 6 and 7, and so God hasn't forgotten us in the midst of all of this, in the midst of this pandemic that's going on, in the midst of the suffering that we've uh, experienced. In verse 6, it says, Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. And so God sees everything. There's a tremendous scripture back in Genesis that speaks of how Jesus actually appeared to Hagar, who was the concubine to Abraham, even on her way out with her son Ishmael, that God appeared, Jesus appeared to her. And she exclaims, she says, you're the God that sees. Yeah, he's the God that sees everything. He hasn't missed what you're going through. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Nothing is naked. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he's the one to whom we are accountable for. He sees everything. Nothing has gotten past him. He understands what you're suffering and what you're going through. So young children wearing masks and things that are going on in this world. And they're evil. He sees your persecution. And it is right to God for him to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. I remember that verse often. God, you said it was right for you to bring tribulation against those who trouble me. You know, God sees it right for that, that he'll deal with those who are bringing trouble to you. And I love that verse. You know, it's good to remember the power of God and how he is a faithful father. Let God deal with them. Romans 12, 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. God will repay. He's your defense. He's your rear guard. He's your strong tower. He is your banner. Let him repay. Let him deal with it. David had an opportunity to take matters into his own hands, you know, Uh, In the midst of uh, dealing with uh, Saul, you know, he had uh, been running and on the run from Saul, he was hiding in a cave, you know, and uh, Saul happened to come in there, cave to relieve himself. David's men wanted him to kill Saul in the midst of that, you know, that God just brought this man, Saul, who was evil and wicked into the midst of the cave. And go ahead, David, you can kill him. Yet the scripture says David's heart troubled when he took action, not waiting on the Lord. You know, he took a piece of his, uh, of his garment just to let him know. And even with that, he was troubled by that. He says he would let the Lord avenge him. I just want to read a few scriptures from that in First uh, Samuel 24. Therefore, let the Lord be judge and judge between you and me and see and plead my case and deliver me out of your hand. So it was when David had finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, is this your voice, my son, David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, you are more righteous than I. For you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. And you have shown this day how you have dealt well with me. For when the Lord delivered me into your hand, you did not kill me. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him get away safely? Therefore, may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now I know indeed that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. David could have taken matters into his own hands, and we can do that as well. But he didn't. He trusted God, and he let God deal with Saul. He trusted him. Will you trust the Lord? Will you let him deal with your enemies? Is that what we're doing now? Do you let the Lord avenge or repay, or is it you? You know, David trusted God. He knew that God was sovereign over his life. And uh, Jesus speaks about these things in Matthew chapter 5. He says to pray for your enemies. He says, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect when we love our enemies. When we do good to those who hate us. When we pray for those who spitefully use us and persecute us. Then will we be perfect or teleos. It will be brought to its Finished end. Wanting nothing necessary to completeness. We will be perfect like your father in heaven. Abba. We're going to suffer persecution. We are going to suffer tribulation. The question is what will we do in the midst of it? Will we continue loving God? Will we continue to love others? Will we trust him? believing again that he's able to work all things to our good because we love him and are called according to his purposes, that nothing is able to separate us from his love. We must cleave unto Jesus. Can I say again that I've never seen or experienced in my lifetime a world that has become so wicked, filled with so much anger and so much hatred, But that we would remember in the midst of that, that we wouldn't be a part of that. That we would understand the heart of Jesus. And as he speaks out of Luke chapter 23, he says, even from the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he's the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. Of the Jews. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. He forgave from the cross. He loved from the cross. Shall we not forgive now? Shall we not love now? We live in a very angry world. The question is, how does Jesus want us to respond in the midst of this world? He speaks again in Matthew 5. He says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice. You're under persecution now. And I believe it's finally hit the shores of the United States. And the church has become affected. Many hearts are are feeling the pain of rejection and, and trouble. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you. And say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Jesus never reviled back. Shall we revile? He said, love one another as I have loved you. This is how all mankind will know that you're mine. This is how everyone will know that you belong to me. By the love that you have one for another. Don't get caught up in the anger. And the hatred. Many times I often find myself talking to a inanimate object like a tv maybe watching fox news or whatever you know you got to get away from these things there's too much anger and hatred in this world you don't want to be a part of that jesus doesn't want you to act that way now you love jesus and you trust him and you love others you keep loving in the face of wickedness you keep loving for jesus sake you let your love abound as this church of thessalonica Their love was abounding from one to another. The message is that God loves you. And he cares about your pain and your suffering that you're in right now. And he's compassionate. And he's reaching out today to comfort you. You love for the glory of Jesus Christ. You love for the glory of Jesus. You love for the glory of Jesus. Will you stand?